0: Welcome to Notes on Vulnerability, a podcast designed to put stories of resilience, courage and being human at the heart of the conversation. This is the Tools for Resilience series, wellness and mental health chats focused on helping you grow and feel good about who you are. We'll be exploring ideas and practical tools designed to help you get comfortable with the vulnerability inherent in being human and the benefits of embracing it. And we'll reveal ways that working with this vulnerability builds resilience so that you can deepen your resources, adapt more, bounce back better and go on to thrive. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the extra bonus content. In this episode of Notes on Vulnerability, we're going to talk about gut health and functional medicine and specifically how functional medicine can be used to improve gut health. A study led by a team at the University of Gothenburg found that nearly 40% of adults suffer from a functional gastrointestinal disorder. That could be anything, from an irritable bowel to anything else that affects the gastrointestinal tract with symptoms like heartburn, acid reflux or constipation. Let's be honest, no one wants to talk about poo or any of our other bodily functions, which is why what happens in our guts can become such a source of vulnerability. From the daily discomfort to the shame around accidents, noises or smells, and the anxiety that can come from a condition like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. This vulnerability can lead us not to get help if things don't feel right, and that's sometimes fatal. There are 46 deaths from bowel cancer every day in the UK, so it's crucial that we start to normalise this kind of chat. And in the spirit of that, I didn't think I'd ever announce this on a podcast, but I have ulcerative colitis. It's a condition that manifests itself in constant trips to the loo where you're pooping out liquid, blood and mucus many times a day. I haven't had these active symptoms for nearly eight years thanks to a combination of diet and changing the way that I've dealt with stress, but I still feel the lingering anxiety of being too far from a loo. My guest on this episode is Nishta Patel, otherwise known as the gut expert. She combines nutritional therapy with functional medicine to help people find relief and bring well-being back into their lives. If you haven't come across functional medicine before, it's a systems oriented approach that looks at the whole person rather than just the disease or problem. So that's physical, mental and general well-being and all the factors that influence that, from sleep and exercise to nutrition and stress. Nishta is a fully qualified Institute for Functional Medicine practitioner and describes what she does as an evolution of the healthcare needs of the 21st century. Just to be clear, functional medicine isn't a system positioned against conventional medicine, which is a vital tool, particularly in acute situations. Instead, it's an approach that accommodates what a lot of research and holistic practitioners have been pointing to for a while, that being sick is a whole system event. So Nishta, welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, let's start off. Um, if you could tell us a bit about who you are
1: and what you do. Okay, so my name is Nishta Patel, and I am a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner. So I look at diet, I look at lifestyle, I look at factors that are contributing to somebody going from wellness to illness or dis So it's um, A systems-based approach we're looking at different factors different organs so for example obviously most people are going to come to me for gut related problems but there are lots of things that can contribute to um, illness that are gut related but people won't think of them as coming from the gut like rheumatoid arthritis for example and uh, other autoimmune diseases so we're trying to get to the crux and root cause of what's causing it and most of the time there will be some
0: gut dysbiosis or something to do with the gut will be at play. So how important is the gut then it sounds like it's it's a pretty big deal. Well
1: Hippocrates said thousands of years ago all disease begins in the gut beginning the gut and I do believe that it's that important because you have to assimilate, it's not just what you eat, it's what you absorb. If your gut's not working properly, you're not going to be absorbing. And that's going to have a knock on effect on lots of different
0: things. So one of the things that's been one of the things that's been in the news a lot is the gut brain connection. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so
1: people, it was previously thought that there wasn't a connection between the gut and the brain, but the gut is connected with the brain through thousands of nerve connections the main one being the vagal nerve there's there's a nerve called the vagus nerve that runs from the brain to the gut gut bacteria you've got an ecosystem in your gut called the gut microbiome and the gut bacteria has plays a crucial part in what's going on so somebody's got anxiety if somebody's got stress that vagal nerve is sending messages back and forth so it and 70 to 80% of your serotonin your your hormones that you know your feel good hormones are they're in the gut so if the gut bacteria is not doing what it's meant if there's dysbiosis and things going on there, it plays a huge part in what's going on with your brain. There there are messages and signals going back and forth via this gut-brain axis. So it's super important. You know, it's not just if you're anxious or if you're nervous. You know, when you get that feeling of butterflies in your stomach or you're getting nausea, that's your gut-brain connection
0: working. So why haven't we made this connection more obvious in terms of the way we treat depression and that kind of
1: thing. it's getting out there now you know um that there, there's so much more research that has been done and it is now being recognized there are a lot more papers a lot more research on this and um so it's yeah it's taken time but we're getting there we're getting functional medicine uses this this system quite often so you know if somebody was coming to you with if somebody came to me with IBS for example I'd know what their anxiety levels are like or what their stress levels like or if somebody's got IBD and you can get the diet completely right you can get the supplements or the nutrition all of that right and the absorption but the minute they're stressed Everything can just go to pot. So it's also, you know, learning how that gut-brain connection works and teaching people about that. A lot of practitioners are doing that now. Those in the know
0: are helping. So what kind of problems do people come to you with when it comes to the gut? And and what do you think are the biggest society-wide issues?
1: People come to me mainly with inflammatory bowel disease, which is a serious disease. Um, as you've mentioned like ulcerative colitis Crohn's often diverticulitis um and also IBS and SIBO small intestinal bacterial overgrowth although sometimes they don't know they've got SIBO acid reflux but they're all connected everything is connected it's not isolated on its own and there's usually a cause you know if you've got SIBO it's it's a cause of something else. Is there low stomach acid? Have you been constantly constipated? Things like that. People also come to me for like chronic constipation, chronic diarrhea, um, things like that. Biggest society wide issues I feel are that it's not talked about. People are really embarrassed to talk about their gut Um And it's really sad because I see a lot of patients with Crohn's and colitis. Crohn's and colitis happens to young people generally. It goes right across the board. But I'm seeing children as young as five, even babies. um, And you've got your whole life because it's a chronic condition. There is no cure for it it's learning how to manage it and you've done really well with yours so congratulations on that but that's what we want to do is try and get to the root cause get people into remission and keep them there for as long as possible but a lot of these people are young and you know having urgency having blood in the stools having um feeling like you're going to vomit or have nausea getting that whole anxiety over finding the nearest toilet before you poop in your pants you know nobody wants to talk about that it's embarrassing and you know but it's it's something that um is a big problem because it's not talked about and everybody's heard of cancer everybody knows about cancer Inflammatory bowel disease is on the up and it's affecting very young people, but people don't realise how it affects young people's lives. And I think it should be spoken about more. I think there should be much more awareness and a lot more drive to try and help the charities that are trying to do the research into getting people uh, some kind of answers because there's no answers, there's no cure for it.
0: Yeah, it was mad when I was diagnosed and I was told they, they don't know what causes it. And they don't know what, what the cure is. And I was just a bit like, gosh, I've never come across anything like that in my experience. I mean, I'm not a medic, so I don't have endless experience of this, but I've never come across that.
1: Yeah. I mean, autoimmune autoimmunity is on the rise. There are like, I can't remember something like 75 known autoimmune diseases at the moment. And once you get an autoimmune disease, it's really hard to you can't cure it. You can put it into remission. And the aim of the game is to keep your remission. But I've seen hundreds of patients, and I can't, there's no magic bullet, there's no magic protocol, there's no magic. So sometimes you can get them better and into remission. Other times it is a struggle. You're working with them, trying to figure out, you know, you're banging your head against a wall sometimes. It's it's really difficult. It's a chronic. And difficult condition but once you get to that crux of really what's going on often it's emotional you know we're doing that gut brain connection thing so it's an emotional thing or trauma or an emotion or something that was said even years and years ago that's sitting there so there's also like a whole spiritual side to things that people don't talk about because it's seen as woo-woo or whatever but once they address all of that or if they're super stressed and they're meditating and doing things people start to see results and get better but it's it's different for everybody.
0: I think there's also quite a challenging kind of perception that if you have a condition like this with these very obvious physical symptoms or even you know depression anxiety that you should take a pill and people do tend to dismiss things like meditation I think food and nutrition is becoming more accepted, but like you said, it's still very, it seen as very woo and very intangible to do the sort of spiritual stuff. So how do you think we overcome that? Because it obviously is very important.
1: Well, when I start working with people, I explain to them, it's the important, you know, how important it is and you've got nothing to lose. It costs you nothing. Give it a go. What's it, you know, it's just going to cost you a little bit of your time. And nine times out of 10, people are really surprised. And if it's it's not always meditation not going to work for everybody. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But there are other things you can do, heart rate variability. You can do box breathing. You just have to figure out a way of getting that sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system back into, like, balance. And once people start realizing that, or if it's like a deep trauma, you know, like somebody's been abused or somebody's, It can be something as simple as a teacher might have said something to you when you were like seven years old, but that stayed with you. And it's starting to sort of grind into the psyche and along with other things that go along the way, you get layers of different things. But if you address that, sometimes it it starts to resolve itself, you know, because you're subconscious and, and much deeper down. The body starts. The body has got that wisdom and knowledge, I believe, and so do the ancient. You know, if you look back at tra- where did medicine start from? If you look back at Ayurveda, you look back at traditional Chinese medicine. All of those, con- all of those um, modalities, they looked at everything. It wasn't just right. A, a-, a modern medicine is great. Um, it does. You know, you do need it to get symptoms under control or inflammation under control. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary, but you don't go into the the rest of it. But if you know, if you look back at the ancients and how they did things, they look at all of those things and they they got healing without a lot of stuff And all modern medicine. Comes from herbal medicine in the first place, like aspirin, for example. You know, it was willow. Um, so there is, they have taken nuggets out of that, and then science has evolved and and done what it needs to. But if you strip back to what your grandparents did or your great grandparents did, and you go back, they didn't have the technology and things, but they managed to work things out a lot of the time.
0: I wonder about, you know, this reluctance to talk about our bodily functions and what we're producing and releasing, like presumably self-awareness of, of your body is a big part of that kind of wisdom. Absolutely. It's so important to know. You can find out
1: so much. I know people don't want to talk about it. But I have to talk about it in my job, right? So... I want to know are your stools formed? Are they loose? Are they floating? Are they smelly? Are they, have you noticed bits of food in there? That's telling me. If, are they pale? they're pale I know that there's not there's nothing going on with the bile is there any you know if they're foul and smelly and fatty you're not absorbing fats if you've got food you can still see in there apart from sweet corn or you know the obvious things that don't digest um then you know that you're either not chewing your food properly or there's not enough stomach acid in there that's breaking things down so you can find out so much by looking at it you know (laughs) But people don't want to talk about it or do it. But I think it's really important. I think getting kids into the habit of pooping regularly, talking about poo, recognizing, you know, needs to be producing nice sausagey logs (laughs) rather than bitsy bits and you can you know with kids if they're constipated you'll get those rabbity pellets you know then that you've got to improve their hydration or maybe some essential fatty
0: acids and things like that so you can find out so much so much it does feel especially important to get kids to start sort of talking about it rather than being ashamed of talking about it yeah, I think that would be
1: brilliant if I could change the world and do one thing. That's one of the things
0: that I would, would encourage new mums to do. So you've kind of talked a little about it there, but is there anything else you want people to know about the way functional medicine approaches gut health?
1: Functional medicine looks at a whole host of things. So there could be environmental factors. There could be you know, things like mould for example, can affect your gut. If you've lived in a moldy environment or you are um, exposed to mold at work, whatever, depending on how everybody, everybody's bodies have got tolerance of how much they can tolerate. But that would be some, just for example, one of the things we'd be looking at sleep, how, how you sleep, how uh, long you sleep, the quality of your sleep, hydration, movement, exercise, that all has a part to do with peristalsis, stress levels. You know, if you are stressed, what are you doing? Like we've spoken about, you know, um, so there's lots and lots of things. It's not just one thing. It's a whole web of things, viruses. Um, sometimes there are viruses that you may have had that um, resurfacing or replicating um, bacterial uh, infections
0: um, parasites there's lots and lots of different things that we would look at in much more detail and how do you think that fits with the sort of conventional medicine approach conventional medicine like i said is
1: really great if somebody's in a flare-up and they're bleeding quite a bit natural medicine takes time and energy and effort to get you to a place of healing you really need to dedicate a lot of time and energy and effort and uh, concentration which you may not have if you're bleeding going to the toilet 10-15 times a day modern medicine is great in that you can then take the medicine which always has side effects too so if you're working alongside a functional medicine practitioner for example if you're on prednis loan you know make sure it's enteric coated make sure that you're getting enough because you know i had a family member that's how i got into this and when they were diagnosed they weren't given enteric coated to prednis loan and they weren't given any um form of bone support, nobody check vitamin D levels, things like that are crucial. What's being depleted from the body often it's like B vitamins and things like that. So I try and get it in through food. If you can't get it in through food, because you're not able to digest much or assimilate, I might get you to do it in a form of a smoothie or, or give you some liquid supplements that are much easily more easily absorbed. But we work together to try and also see what's being depleted from the body by taking the medication and while the medication's doing its thing and bringing the inflammation down we can then work on things like what's your gut mucosa doing what's the microbiome doing and you know often with prednisone or antibiotics you can get yeast overgrowth so you can give some probiotics to mitigate that and help things so they can work really well side by side
0: what about anxiety because autoimmune conditions like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis as we've said come with a lot of anxiety and what tips do you have for anyone who's currently struggling with the anxiety that can come with poor gut health
1: it's important to talk to people or talk to somebody that you trust and know well, so that you, you're not keeping it all to yourself. Don't, as hard as it is, don't be ashamed by what's going on. Most people will understand. I often recommend somebody like, um, you know, on the internet Following somebody like Doctor Joe Dispenza doing some of his meditations, or I've got somebody that I use for tapping, um, who also had ulcerative colitis, and that that's a method of um, sort of trying to relieve your anxiety, or maybe doing some box breathing, or there's lots and lots of different things that you can do to try and sort of mitigate that and calm it down. It's what's going to work and what sits well with somebody
0: that. There are also communities, aren't there, that you can join, which yes. sort of is, yeah. I think one of the things I didn't realise when I got osteoporosis is that there were quite a, a few other people. Yeah. Um, because the doctor kind of made me feel like I was one of the only people of my age to have it in the country. Um, and actually, when I found out that there were a lot of other people like me, it made me feel less ashamed of it and more able to reach out for help. Yeah, there are lots of groups Crohn's colitis UK.
1: I'm sure there's Crohn's colitis, colitis, Crohn's colitis groups in the US and other countries. Um, I find Crohn's colitis in the UK really helpful. Like if you join them, they also give you a key so that if you are stuck for bathrooms, you, you've got that key to get you in. They also give you a card. And so... And if you're traveling, it's really good because they will give you cards in different languages to say, I've got got Crohn's colitis, please, can I use the toilet? So hotels, bars, lobbies, it's quite handy to have something like that to, to help you, but also they have communities they do walks they do charity things and they bring people together and it's really important to try and connect with somebody who is going through the same thing with you because they will understand what it's like to somebody can empathize with you but somebody that really is in your shoes i think it makes a big difference
0: it's funny that's such a simple thing being able to have a card that lets you jump the queue for the loo but it's also such a reassuring thing like it, yeah it takes a lot of anxiety Miss also you know i do know people
1: who've got it and i say to them get the card and they're like yeah but if there's a long queue at victoria station everybody's going to be busting to go but i said you know what maybe you will get one person that will be a bit rude but most people will understand and they will let you go or somebody will
0: So, if anyone listening to this is interested in a more holistic approach to their health, but they can't necessarily afford to pay a specialist, um, what's a good way to get started with sort of a more functional medicine type approach? There's so much, so many. um, Go on to
1: ifm.org, go um, on the internet. You can find there's so many different. practitioners out there even Instagram if you look for people that are IFMCP that means Institute for Functional Medicine Certified Practitioners there's a lot of people giving tips and and help and and things like there's a lot of bad advice out there too which is why I say look for somebody that's IFMCP or a certified nutritionist or a certified dietitian um, or doctor and there's so much free information out there now if, if you look or facebook groups support groups things like that
0: what's the one most important change that anyone can make in terms of their gut health so many chewing your food it
1: sounds so simple and being mindful so many of us are eating and they you don't think you're stressed but if you're eating at your desk and you're doing 10 things at once and you're just wolfing the food down but digestion actually starts up here way before you know if, if you think about something like you think about i don't know a lemon for example your brain's already salivate your mouth is already salivating and your digestive juice is already working and it's it's a process and if you don't chew your food properly what will happen is, the saliva breaks down your food a little bit but your stomach doesn't have teeth and your stomach acid has to break that down if you're not eating mindfully you're eating on the go you're not digesting your food there's bigger particles left that the stomach acid can't digest the more stressed you are the lower that stomach acid becomes then bigger particles of food go through which shouldn't be because it should be liquid And then that starts causing issues with your digestive system. You can get what's known as gut permeability or a leaky gut. And um, it then does a whole knock-on effect. You're not producing enough digestive enzymes and you're not assimilating your food. You're not absorbing it. That carries on and on and on along with your diet of maybe eating sugary foods or a lot of alcohol or a lot of yeasty, bready, baked goods you're you're putting layer upon layer upon layer on sit down chew your food take time you know just take a few minutes that none of us do it anymore back in the day we all used to like sit down as a family I mean a lot of people still sit down as families but um, people used to pray or thank their food and I said sans woo-woo again and even I you know because you're always so busy but if you think about it and you take that time you smell your food you take a deep breath you eat your food, Put your if you get into the habit of putting your fork down or sitting on your hands and chewing 20 times, you will realize how fast you eat and wolf your food down and how bad that is because of the whole cascade of knock-on things and obviously looking at your diet and not having like hydrogenated fats and things that damage your gut microbiome, excess sugar and everything else that most people know about, but chewing your food. I would say,
0: super, super important. I am definitely going to do that after everything. (laughs) Um, So the one thing I usually ask people at the end of these podcasts is what's your note on vulnerability? Don't be embarrassed. I know it's
1: hard. Don't be embarrassed. If you've got inflammatory bowel disease, you've got issues with your gut, talk about it. Let people know how you're feeling. Nobody's going to know how you're feeling. It is embarrassing and it's easier said than done but you will people do understand partners will understand it's you know it's you can't help it it's it's a bodily function and it's there and you know the more you sort of the less you fearful you feel about it and the more you can be comfortable with it the
0: easier you'll make it for yourself that's awesome thank you so much for coming on the podcast that's been such a great chat Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been Notes on Vulnerability, and I've been Alex, your host. If you especially enjoyed this topic and would like to go deeper into how to take action on it, don't forget that you can hit the subscribe button to access all the additional tips, ideas and support. I'm a resilience coach, and you can find me on Instagram at alexshorecoaching, S-H-O-R-E, or online at www.shore-coaching.com. Notes on Vulnerability also has its own Instagram, at Notes on Vulnerability.